does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, and we are back. Kevin's Corner NFL Combine Week is here, the month of February. About to put a bow on that. I'm Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison across the way. Eddie, I'm thinking two pods this week. Uh, obviously, nothing last week with myself out and you know, Combine Week. I think it's good to preview, set up some things. Obviously, we can go over some Shane Steichen staff news as well on today's podcast. We'll preview the Combine. And then we are supposed to hear from Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard Wednesday afternoon. So I'm thinking we come back Thursday morning, record a podcast recapping that. And then for the most part, you know, those next few days after the combine should be a bit quiet. And then, dude, before you blink, man, I mean, is it what, two weeks from Wednesday? Free agency? Yeah, I know, right? March 15th, the new league year. Yeah, it's March 1st on Wednesday. So. We haven't even had a chance to go over the Colts free agents. I know. And do know. your infamous red light, yellow light, green light. I know. We got to do that, I think, on next week's pod as I try and think out loud here on this Monday. I would morning. agree with you. Uh, how you been, man? I've been great. Um, how's Florida? You don't look that much tan. Well, thank you. Uh, part of that would be my skin complexion in general. Uh, but I Not a tanner? I also don't look burnt, I guess, either. No. Uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. Honestly, the weather was great. Um, but yeah, a lot of rosy swimming activities. I feel like now that I've had children, the application of sunscreen, you need to be a good influence and good role model ah, on said okay. children. So we like to layer it up. Um, Rosie actually is team sunscreen, which I know is not the norm for a lot of kids her age. So no. I, it was awesome, man, just to get away and, you know, the innocence and the curiosity of a two and a half year old will never cease to amaze me. <laughs> so, um, it, it was awesome to be down there. Good time with my family. And at the same time we landed on Saturday and you see the signage up in Indianapolis international and, you know, now quick question here is Rosie a more of a pool kid or is she a ocean kid uh team pool certainly not the ocean too cold Uh, we're on the golf side no i don't think it's the temp i think it's just like looking out there and it's like oh my gosh that thing is intimidating looking at it but we are very much pool so it was a uh daily occurrence a lot of time in the pool which was awesome to experience so was glad i was able to do that and you know i think listeners of the podcast will realize i do kind of get energized coming back and knowing that you know, this is one of my favorite weeks of the off season, just because I think it's really cool. Our city is able to host this and continue to do it for at least another two more years, and you know, it's the one event each year where you kind of get future meet present. You know, you have the NFL GMs and the coaches here and the agents. So much free agent discussion late at night yeah. around town, but then also the future with over 300 prospects here for the combine. So a whole lot to get to on today's podcast. Again, we'll go over some staff changes. We'll look at the combine. We'll get to Twitter questions as well, and we'll probably come back on Thursday for an additional pod. All right, so let's dive into the combine a little bit before it starts happening. Uh, Thursday is when the workouts start. Like you mentioned, uh, Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard will speak on Wednesday. So what are you looking forward to most, whether that's what they have to say at the combine, because I doubt they say much, or in terms of are you monitoring Bryce Young? Does he throw, or how much he weighs and his height and all that? Well, I guess let's start at the quarterbacks. You know, Eddie, it sounds like based off reports, Bryce Young will not throw. The other three will throw 
and Will Levis and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. I'll be curious where Richardson and Stroud fall in the alphabetical order. That's how they decide how you participate in the workouts. Uh, Anthony Richardson throwing right before C.J. Stroud is probably what Anthony Richardson's agent wants and probably what C.J. Stroud's agent maybe does not want. Not to act like Stroud has some poor arm, but you know Richardson, obviously. Or if you're C.J. Stroud's agent, you could relish the opportunity knowing maybe, that yeah. uh, Richardson has had some accuracy issues. If he's having accuracy issues in shorts and a t-shirt, then that could be a big, big problem when yeah. you look forward. But, um, you know, in general, Eddie, the two biggest items of this week for the Colts will be how Bryce Young is viewed league-wide. I totally get why he would not want to work out. First off, he was a little banged up at Alabama this past year. Secondly, if the goal is to put on a bunch of weight, what you would do is you would gain a bunch of weight for the combine. Yep. Weigh in, and then over the next month, you lose that weight, get back to more playing weight, and work out at your pro day, but don't weigh in at your pro day. You know, you can be finicky with the system here and how you want to handle it if you're Bryce Young's team. So I understand that. If you're Richardson, if you're Levis, if you're Stroud, makes total sense to throw. You know, they're all big arm or really good throwers in Stroud's case, so I certainly understand that aspect to it. You know, for the Colts, the most important part of this week will be what they get in those 15-minute sit-downs with those names, Mm -hmm. assuming they meet with all of them. Um, This is the first time a pairing of Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard will be together in a room and get to talk to these guys face-to-face. And Eddie... You can make strong cases for probably any of these four. It sounds cliche, but neck up to me is going to be what could be a decider. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the chance to complete the profile, neck up a big part of it, and seeing what you have in each of these prospects. So that, to me, is the most important part of the week. It's not what these quarterbacks will do on Saturday when they throw or whatever. Even their testing numbers um, it's what's going to happen behind closed doors, mainly with the Colts and the new brass, new offensive brass, new head coach, etc., and how those things will go. Again, workouts will start with the defensive guys Thursday. I think it's D-line and linebackers Thursday, DBs mm-hmm. Friday. Again, quarterbacks, wideouts, and tight ends on Saturday. And then your running backs and your O-linemen on Sunday. Um, obviously, the medical you know, gets a lot of fanfare, and rightfully so, and, and that matters, but... Again, to me, it's probably how Bryce Young is viewed league-wide. And then, you know, behind the scenes, it's a big part of it each year, Eddie. It's these discussions free agent-wise. You know, we'll get to Shane Steichen's staff here in just a minute, but, you know, your staff will evaluate these free agents, and it sounds like Gus Bradley will be back. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for Yannick Ngakwe as a free agent? I'd assume that's a good thing for Yannick Ngakwe and wanting to come back here, if he does want to come back here. You know, Bobby O'Karake and EJ Speed and, and, and that debate and Paris Campbell. And, you know, is is Frank Wright going to be interested in Paris Campbell in Carolina? You know, those sorts of things. And it just, I think it helps set the market behind the scenes. I know mm-hmm. it's not necessarily legal to do it, but it's the tampering period that is rampant around downtown Indianapolis. Like you said, Ballard and Steichen will meet the media on Wednesday. You know, we'll see if anything comes out of those press conferences. Um, I think another aspect of Combine Week I'm always curious about, the Colts are so quarterback-centric. and by, I, mean, I don't know if I need to say this, but I'd be stunned if the Colts don't take a quarterback in round one. Stunned. So I guess just kind of get that out, out there. But like, where else is there good depth in this draft class? You know, It sounds like tight ends. Sounds yes. like the edge rush group is pretty good. I know cornerback has gotten some praise as well. And if you're the Colts, you look at edge rush, 
you look at corner, maybe tight end. I mean, tight end, it's like, do you bank on the young guys? You know, do you not, you know, where are you at on tight end? I think all three of those are positions the Colts could improve on. And maybe it's just growth at some of those spots, but, you know, corner, I think, is definitely one. When you look at Gilmore's age, you have to think yeah. about where you're going there. So I am curious where the draft depth will settle. So those, I guess, are some of the kind of big items that I'm looking forward to this week. Now, when you're looking at the quarterback portion of this, when it comes to their actual workouts, outside of you know being able to throw the football and their 40-yard dash, are there any of those drills that you look at and be like, oh, this is a drill that I think gets undervalued that plays into a big part of a quarterback when it comes to game day on Sundays? Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't know if there's enough like positional drills compared to other positions that I would point to. You know, you look at Anthony Richardson, for example, and footwork is a big thing. Uh, big question. Well, I think you can retool that, reshape that in a practice setting, but until the red jersey comes off, you just don't know yep. with these guys. You know, it's a big thing with Sam Ellinger and everything he did arm related and will continue to do with his, you know, Tom House work. You know, Ellinger has even admitted this until it gets live. Are you going to revert back to your old tricks, mm-hmm. your old ways? You just truly don't know it. So if it looks bad in shorts and a t-shirt, that's probably <laughs> means it's going to look bad when it gets live. So I guess that's a question. But I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier, Eddie. I think so much of it is shoulder up, neck up this week and how you view these guys. Get them on a whiteboard. Get them in a room. Look them in the eye. You know, A lot of it is work ethic. And you know, I think it's something worth repeating several times in the next two months because we're about two months out from the draft yep i've been team trade up i think i've said that several times in this podcast you have to be i i I continue to be there another element of this eddie is look at who is above you we know you got the two nfc teams with the odd picks you know chicago at one and arizona at three and seemingly they don't need a quarterback that team at two Mm -hmm. is in your division Mm -hmm. and if you're going to sit at four are you willing to run the risk that you might be facing the quarterback that you really want in your division twice a year for the next decade mm-hmm. in a division that is up for grabs. I know that we have Jacksonville, but st- you know no one's crowning Jacksonville. I think for the next five to ten years, you you like what they have, but it's not Kansas City and the AFC West or you know whatever. That is a question you've got to ask yourself, and that plays into it. And I think a lot of times people just get so centric into like, oh, I don't want to pay that dollar. I don't want to take that risk. There are other factors you have to look at. And the fact that a team in your own division is sitting there at two and has more draft ammo than you, they've got the 12th pick as well. Yep. So they've got more to offer. To me, I'd rather have picks if I'm Chicago than a Kenny Moore or you know insert Colts player that I might Agreed. have a connection with here. So I just think that is something that I will probably repeat a lot here over the next couple of months. But it is another reason. It's not the sole reason. There's a lot of reasons why I think you should move up to one um, or get as high as you can. But that is one of the reasons why um, I believe it's so important to move on up. Before we get into the staff, uh, the reason why I asked you that question about is there a specific drill you look at that kind of gets undervalued or kind of looked over? To me, it's the three-cone drill when it comes to the quarterbacks because a lot of that is hip. It's a lot of hip mobility and being able to sink your hips and get in, in and out and around the cones. And I think when you look at – I hate to do this because everyone makes the, the comparison of like Patrick Mahomes to everybody else. But like when you look at Mahomes in his baseball background, it, the, the mobility of the hips – 
helps you a lot when you're on the run because you have to get those hips open if you're moving left and you want to throw either down the middle of the field or across your body. Yeah. And I think that's a big part it's a good point. that you have to look at, too, with some of these. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think you can't boil quarterback play down to something really simple. Right. We, we would all like to, but they all come in different shapes and sizes, and you know, you just can't do it. But if I tried to boil it down to as simple as a phrase, you know, sentence, whatever, how can I combine poise and athleticism the best? And probably throw accuracy in there, but like I guess when I think of poise, you know, I, accuracy kind of seeps into that. But you know, if I had to boil it down to three things: poise plus athleticism plus accuracy, and flip flop athleticism, athleticism and accuracy. That's what I need. That's what I feel like you have to have. So I think when you look at any of these quarterbacks in this 2023 and beyond, but the combination of those three factors, how can I create that package? Uh, that I think is what you got to try and seek out. If you're the Colts and if you're any team trying to find that franchise quarterback. All right, one final, final thing here. I was just thinking about this earlier. You were talking about this will be the first time Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard will be able to sit down with some of these prospects. They get 15 minutes. No Brian Decker um, will be in these interviews this year because he is now in Carolina with Frank Reich. When you look at, or as the reporter part in you, would you prefer to see Shane Steichen being the lead guy in the interview process for this mm-hmm. or would you rather see Chris Ballard because you would have to assume Ballard has had more time with the scouts right. and the department in general to look at these guys and get to know them and those scouts have been boots on the ground in Tuscaloosa and Columbus and Lexington and but Shane Steichen hasn't probably had as much time to look at these guys but he's your new coach that's trying to build an offense around this future quarterback. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. I, I would probably want that time to be 70-30 in Steichen's you know, favor, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, I could see Chris wanting to take a little bit more of a backseat approach, too, and just kind of listen and soak it in and watch body language and those things. And like you said, Eddie, you've had the chance to. I mean, hell, I would assume and hope Chris Bauer has seen some of these guys play in person. You know, Shane Steichen hasn't even done that. And I know Chris is a big guy that likes to get on the field pregame when yeah. he goes to these college games he likes to see the that guy interact you know with his teammates with staff members etc so I do think it would be Steichen more than Ballard uh, because you also there'll be times I think in the process where again your head coach can't be in all those places you know there's going to be times where your offseason program begins in early April and maybe it is Ballard does get the chance to get out and you know view a guy um, you know in an on-campus setting um, and, and those sorts of things uh, so now let's transition to, into the staff. Um, first, let's start with Bubba Ventrone. He is now off to Cleveland, gets a little bit of a raise in terms of money and a promotion with the assistant head coach or associate head coach titling with special teams coordinator. Yeah, and a little bit closer to home. Uh, Pittsburgh is where he's from. Him and TJ McConnell, pretty good friends. Um, so yeah, a little bit closer to home with Cleveland. I think it's a notable loss, Eddie. I mean, I, I again, you guys have heard me talk about Bubba Ventrone. I think really highly of him. I think he fits the mold of more of what the Colts were looking for, of a little bit more demonstrative, a little bit more of the public accountability, that side of it. And I think there's a reason why he interviewed for the head coaching gig. You know, yeah. people in that building like him. Um, I think we just write off special teams so often as like, and I've heard a lot of people say this over the last few weeks. It's the players. I mean, 
to a degree, yes. And you can say that about any coaching facet <laughs> yeah. across all sports. But, Eddie, think about the one unit that has the most turnover on an annual basis. Special teams. Sergio Brown is no longer here. George Odom is no longer here. Uh, Zaire Franklin no longer plays special teams to, yeah. to the fact that you know to the extent that he was playing. You know, your leader in special team snaps this year was EJ Speed. He was not that guy in years past. Uh, Kenny Moore, you know, no longer is playing special teams. Ashton Doolin took on a little bit of a bigger offensive role. So it's not the same year in and year out. And you know, Rick Gosling, who is a Pro Football Hall of Fame writer. Um, he has formulated these special teams rankings. It's kind of been his niche thing, which, again, it's a little nerdy, sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder to find special teams because you have so many different elements to what goes into that unit. But he's tried to kind of formulate them all and, and figure out who are the best special teams units on a year-in, year-out basis. Eddie, you look at the five years of the Bubba Ventrone era, the Colts were top ten in those rankings in four of those five years. The one year they were not... The year Adam Vinatieri was, you know, kicking balls that was hitting the red garter, it felt like every other game. You know, it, it just it was poor field goal kicking more than anything. So, if I'm thinking myself, I'm thinking, wow, this is a coach that's led a unit that has been consistently in the upper quartile over the last handful of seasons, and he's had a lot of player turnover, like all special teams coaches, and he's a guy that you have felt like has some head coach material to you. That to me is a loss. Yeah, like. It, it, I, I don't want to just act like it's not. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's DEFCON, but I also think that Bubba Ventrone deserves a lot of credit for how that unit played. And, Eddie, it, it's not so much that like they just controlled field position. Oh, yeah, the Colts, you know, their average drive start was six yards better than their opponent. That's one it one thing. But that unit, like, they created big-time plays. Yeah, blocks. Turn game, blocks. I mean, think back to the Minnesota game. The reason why you got off to such a great start in that game was your special teams unit really mm-hmm. helped you out. Obviously, diff- different guys returning kicks and punts over the years have helped you out as well. So um, that, to me, is a loss again. I understand some of the reasons why Cleveland, he might view that as a more attractive situation. You know, Was he not happy that he didn't get a second interview in Indy? Where a lot of candidates did get a second interview. Jeff Saturday being one of those candidates, to your earlier point, assistant head coach title, gets closer to home. You know, was that something that was attractive to him? So it sounds like Gus Bradley will be back. Um, to me, I probably would have rather had Bubba Ventrone than Gus Bradley. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. They don't want to see a third defensive coordinator in three years. I totally get that. Um, but I, I, I really like Bubba's presence, and I think it's a presence that Shane Steichen needs to kind of bring some of that. And I'm not one of these people that's like, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's a la- a large majority of the fan base, but I certainly have seen it. But you fire everybody from last year. <laughs> Nobody deserves to be back. And again, it sounds like Gus Bradley's going to be back. I was about to get to that. You know, I'm just not one of these people. Like, the Colts were a, by any efficiency ma- measure, they were an historically bad offense over the last handful of seasons in the NFL. The defense and special teams had a lot of nice moments. So I, I just don't think you just can everybody. I think it's a big coaching staff. I think you can find individuals that deserve uh, a retention. Does the culture need to change? Do you know some of these coaches, whatever, do they need to change individually? Perhaps. But I'm not one of this just fire everybody because it was horrific. When was the last time we had validity 
uh, on the pod during the podcast. Boy, I don't, yeah, maybe it's that Florida pina colada talking there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that how that slid in there. Zach Kiefer and Joel Erickson, within the last six minutes or so, both have said they have had sources tell them that Gus Bradley is back as a defensive coordinator. And I would assume, Eddie, that means Ron Miles and Richard Smith, DB and linebackers coach, back as well. Those are longtime assistants. And again, I understand the retention of Gus Bradley. I do. Um, the Colts were a better-than-average defense last season, and there are some areas where I would like to see them improve, mainly fourth quarter, mainly with consistent pressure. I'd like to see them disrupt uh, the passing game better. Uh, they were 31st in completion percentage last year. That was an issue, I thought, under Eberflus as well. I'd like to see them dictate to their opponent a little bit more. Um, but, again, there are a lot of reasons why bringing Gus back. And, you know, obviously Shane Steichen feels confident in letting him oversee that. And that's something that I, as a first-time head coach, would would want. You know, I yeah. want somebody that you've been with and you trust on the defensive side of the ball. Um I guess let's get into a couple of the other names. That's what I was about to get to here. You got the offensive coordinator and Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, obviously top three name in the history of humanity, frankly. Right. Um, you know, Eddie, when we talked about offensive coordinator, coordinator I think after the um, Steichen hire, a couple of things that I was curious about. And when I say curious, what I would want. What I would want in my OC if I were Steichen is I'd want someone with play calling experience. If and when that time comes where I'm like, holy sh, there's too much on my plate, man. I need to pass this off, and I want to pass it off to somebody that has done it. Check. In the league. Jim Bob Cooter checks that. I would want some young quarterback background. Check. Most recently, Cooter checks that. His career, he didn't really check that. You know, Manning, Stafford. Um, but yes, most recently, Trevor Lawrence last season in, in Jacksonville. I think he was a consultant, if I'm not mistaken, with Philly the year before that. So, you know, a little, you know not a lot of one-on-one time with Jalen Hurts, but still a little bit of that. And then lastly, and this is a bit of an unknown, uh, but I have heard some good things about him, it's just I think it's important to get a different personality than what your head coach is. Mm -hmm. Like I thought Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni meshed so well because their personalities were so different. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day, you know, who, you know, played in the, in, you know, for the Reich, you know, era here. And, you know, at times, Marcus Brady and, and Reich, I think, were just too similar mm-hmm. from a temperament standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, again, I like a little bit of a different personality there. Um, you know, when you look at what Cooter did w- with Detroit. Sorry, I'm going to laugh every time. Coach Cooter, do, do you want to call him Jim Bob, JB? <laughs> Should we change that up? Uh, any? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I told it, myself coming in, I was like, I'm not going to laugh at any. <laughs> You know, inappropriate phrasing by Kevin with the word cooter today, I, but I, I just couldn't help myself. Right. Eddie, mature Garrison, I don't think will be something that we're going to put on the old Kevin's Corner uh, part of the resume <laughs> here. Um, I am curious, you know, what, I've, I've called Nick Sirianni Nick. I've called Marcus Brady Marcus. I, you know, when I ask a question to Gus Bradley, I say, Gus, do you, Jim Bob? JBC? Jim? Bob? Bobby? James? Cooter? Uh, we'll have to see what, where it falls with that. Uh, but the Detroit era for him, you know, Jim Caldwell and the Lions had nice success. And they were a great passing offense in particular. Struggled a little bit in the run, struggled a little bit with sacks when he was there. Um, and then Matt Patricia comes in and obviously all hell breaks loose. So uh, I'm good with that hire. I would say one of the more intriguing offensive hires so far for me is Tom Manning as the tight ends coach. Tom Manning is back. Um, he was here in 2018. 
Uh, players rave about him. You know, Andrew Luck honestly wanted Tom Manning to go. He wanted him to go coach Stanford. He loved him. Absolutely loved what Tom Manning brought. So when you look at Tom Manning, again, coaching tight ends, we know development is going to be very key at that position group considering what you have in Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree and Kylan Granson. I think a couple things worth pointing out, Eddie, about Tom Manning. He went back to Iowa State to pretty much be the coach in waiting there when you think about it. You know, think back to 2018. Matt Campbell was like the hot name in college football. Hell, he was a hot name in the NFL. Yeah. It was like, all right, when Urban Meyer leaves or Jim Harbaugh leaves or Brian Kelly leaves, Matt Campbell's going to one of those schools. Yeah. And it just never developed like that. So Tom Manning, his thinking is, man, I'm going to go back to Iowa State. I'm either going to get promoted to be the Iowa State head coach or I'm going to go be the OC at you know Ohio State or Michigan or Notre Dame or something like that. Um, and obviously have a great, you know, young job in my coaching world or in my coaching career, I should say. The other aspect to Manning that I like is he went back to Iowa State and he was the offensive coordinator and play caller for Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. Obviously got Brock Purdy pretty NFL ready. We all saw that this year. And Eddie, what I think you want to find and strike this balance with offensively, if I were Shane Steichen, if you can get some guys on this staff that maybe aren't coaching quarterback or offense coordinator, but they have play calling experience, they have quarterback background, they have college background, that to me makes a more innovative staff. It makes a more forward-thinking staff. And it gets to the point where you've got some coaches that if turnover occurs on that staff, maybe they can slide into another role. Yeah. And you aren't turning over the names and the faces. You're just, you know, kind of sliding different positions within that staff. So for all those reasons, I really like the Manning hire because again, I think he just gives you a little bit of versatility, background. He's been with the Colts before, albeit just for one season. They had a really good success in that season. But that's a guy that I feel like if I were Shane Steichen, I could turn to in a meeting and say, Hey, what do you think about CJ Stroud doing this? In your college days, in your young quarterback days, yeah. you know, what did you guys do to kind of help out? So I think that is an important element to him. Plus, he's only thirty nine. Right. He is he is on the younger side. Um and when he was with the Colts in two thousand eighteen, um Eric Ebron had his career year right with the Colts right he obviously had a great season Jack Doyle was banged up in yeah. that year Ebron was outstanding um, so again I, I like the Tom Manning one the other couple of ones and again feel free to kind of fill me in if you've seen any others but um, Tony Sperano Jr. on the offensive line I know a lot of people thought it would be the Eagles assistant uh, Roy Estevan as the O-line coach doesn't look like it'll be that Sperano is if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time as a full O-line coach in the league. Uh, was with the Giants most recently last year. Has kind of bounced around as an assistant O-line coach. Obviously, that name sounds familiar. His dad, I, I think it is his dad. Uh, Dolphins and Raiders head coach. I think that hire might be the most important hire on the entire staff. The Wikipedia page has already been updated. Says he's with the Colts? Yeah. And he's a younger guy, right? He is 36. Yeah. I mean, think about that higher, Eddie. You've got the Bernard Ryman development that is paramount to the future of this franchise, and you've got to get some veterans to play to their price tag. 
That's a big-time hire. Big, big-time hire there. And then DeAndre Smith was the running backs coach reported. Also coming over for the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, on that front. Weird. Uh, yeah. And he is a guy that has a, a lot of Midwest ties. So Just maybe. trying to find the connection between Steichen and some of these guys. So DeAndre Smith, I think UNLV, there was an overlap there with Steichen. But again, a lot of Midwest. Uh, from St. Louis. I think he even had a stint at Purdue and Indiana State. So you know, maybe in his case, he's looking at getting back to this part of the country there. Um, it sounds like Reggie Wayne will return. We'll, we'll kind of wait on official word for that. But you know, the staff is starting to really be in place, which, I mean, hell, makes sense. You're going to start meeting with these prospects um, very, very soon. So I think that covers pretty much everything from a staff standpoint on the news front. Um, anything else, Eddie, that you came across or any other things you want to mention before we get into Twitter questions? No. Uh, Smith, though, he's 54, so he may be the oldest coach on staff next to Gus Bradley. And, and I want to go back to something I said earlier of like, I think you've got to strike this balance with the staff of you certainly want veteran coaches. Now, in Smith's case, Eddie, I, and I don't know if you have his resume in front of him, I believe last year was the first time he'd ever been in the NFL. I think uh, pretty much only are, been in college. You are correct. Yes, he was in college as an offensive coach, uh, for, or a coach in general, I should say, from 1999 until 2021. So basically, the early looks of this staff is super veteran laden defensively, with Bradley and I assume Ron Miles and Richard Smith back. Very young offensively and or inexperienced from an NFL sense. You know, yeah. honestly, Steichen really kind of dwarfs everybody from a coaching experience standpoint there. So again, I think kind of striking that balance of like, yes, you do want to have some veteran coaches, but also make sure that you have the innovation that is desired, a little bit of quarterback background, those sorts of things. Um, So yeah. Uh, He coached Michael Turner. And this is DeAndre Smith? Yes, when he was in college. Northern uh, Illinois, Michael Turner? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's any other notable running backs he's coached. I don't see any, really. Yeah, I don't see any other than Saquon Barkley. Which is a nice guy to help you out from a resume standpoint. You know, obviously when you look at the Giants specifically – you know their offense. I thought had some nice innovation last year. So a couple guys from their staff that you get that were a part of that. You know Daniel Jones's running element. You know, can you incorporate things there? You know Scotty Montgomery, the outgoing running backs coach. He was a guy that you really tapped into his run pass option background as well um, with that aspect to it from from the collegiate game. Ready for some Twitter questions? Let's do it, man. South Florida Hoosier. Speaking of the Hoosiers, how about, how about that? All right. Saturday night, man. Jalen Hoochafino, that's one of the greatest individual performances, frankly, I've ever seen. When you consider environment, when you consider the rivalry, a freshman on the road, that was historic stuff, man. Uh, before we get to South Florida Hoosiers question here, I have this player comp in mind that has kind of developed more and more as the season's gone on with him. Ooh, I've got one as well. I have a former Pacer. Drew Holiday. That is high praise. Um, I love me some Drew Holiday on both ends of the floor. I am going with a more dynamic Malcolm Brogdon. 
Interesting. I think Brogdon, an understandably, gets a bit of a knock because he's hurt a lot. But I just think mid mid range game. That's why I thought of Drew Holiday in control. I think Drew Holiday is a little bit more athletic than Hood Shafino. I I think Hood Shafino has fine athleticism, Um, but maybe I don't know. He's a little bit more of a burst, a little bit more of a natural test. Drew Holiday married Lauren Cheney, Ben Davis grad, one of my father's favorite students in his time at Ben Davis. She was a great U.S. Women's National Team soccer player. Oh, yeah. Their son, I believe, might be plural, sons, that's going to save U.S. men's soccer. (laughs) If they go the soccer route. A gold medalist, NBA all-star athlete. I mean, hell, Drew Holiday looks like he played in the NFL. Like He's got the body type you feel like he could. And then you combine that with her? I mean, say no more. Uh, South Florida Hoosier, a lot of people are asking if the Colts should trade up if they've identified one quarterback they really like. Use a different spin on that question. What if there is only one they don't like and he's the one there at number four? What should Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen do? Well, <laughs> the first part would be don't put yourself in this situation. Again, <laughs> try and move on up so you're not there. Obviously, you don't you don't force it but again i think you have the ability to try to remove yourself from this and that's the goal that you have to do i just don't think you can sit there and you know even if you like two or three of them eddie like i don't think it's that far-fetched to think there's a chance quarterback goes one two and three in this draft Right now, Chicago would obviously have to remove themselves from one, two, and three for that to happen, and theoretically Arizona would as well. But I don't think that is that crazy of a statement to make there. So, um, under those circumstances, I, I guess trade back. But again, don't put yourself in that situation. What if the Colts pull like a Atlanta Hawks and Dallas Mavericks trade, where instead of going the route of going up to one, and they do like let's say multiple quarterbacks. And it's like a 1A, 1B scenario. What if they just move up one spot to Arizona? You save a little more draft capital and you insure yourself one of those three quarterbacks right. if you like all three. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Again, Eddie, I find it very hard to believe you're going to have all three evaluated the same. Oh, I 100% I, I agree. Just, I, I think that sounds good. Especially with one drinking mayonnaise in his coffee. <laughs> Gosh. Like, I just You're going to have some differing opinions. Um, but yeah, to your point, if that's the case, definitely move up one spot. I uh, think now is a good time to work in my quarterbacks. Don't get a second contract question to the pod. This is from Jason. Now that Lamar is starting uh, staring at the franchise tag, I'm interested in your thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation. Beyond just the wear and tear aspect of a mobile quarterback, the rookie deal advantage to team building has to be a factor. Well, it's a tremendous factor. I mean, Eddie, it's probably why some of these Chicago you hear some of the Chicago chatter about drafting a quarterback and trading away fields. And I think we have a question on that, so maybe I'll withhold any thoughts until that. But, you know, Jason, it's a great question. I'm super interested to see what's about to happen in the AFC. Like, you have all these quarterbacks 27 or younger. And in Mahomes' case, in Allen's case, they've reached the second contract. And the others are about to get there. Um the mobile quarterback wear and tear is an interesting point that he makes here. Again, I think there are different levels of the mobility of the wear and tear. There's different runners. Lamar Jackson is in a category by himself, frankly. And his body type, you know, he's kind of a 
I love the Rick Venturi comparison that he uses. He describes him as an eel. I think that's such a perfect way to describe him. He's kind of that slithery snake that yeah. you don't get a lot of clean hits on him. But then again, we saw a huge injury you know, pop up late this season and it impacted what Baltimore could do from a postseason. I come back to this. I think you continue. If you have a guy you love, you give him that second contract. You don't think twice about it, in my opinion, at quarterback. And it just puts more pressure on your drafting of other impactful spots have got to come from rookie contract guys. Yeah. You know, it's, I know it's not apples to apples, but it's in a way why Edger and James walked and Joseph Adai came in here and you won a Super Bowl in year one. You know, you had to allocate resources in different areas. You looked at yourself and said, all right. We're going to get a rookie contract running back. We're going to get Dominique Rhodes. We're going to put that pairing together, and we think we can make up for it. Yeah. Like, you're going to pay that quarterback an absurd amount of money to make up for other spots. And I just think that is the area to go because quarterback's going to be expensive no matter what. Look at the money Daniel Jones thinks he's going to get. No matter what, quarterbacks are going to be a big price tag. To me, I'd rather be right there, pay the premium, pay the top dollar, covers up some other areas. And then you got to hit on those draft picks at other spots. So often with that Colts era, yes, Marvin and Tarek and and Peyton and Dwight and where those guys were drafted, unbelievable. But you think back to the late first round picks of a Reggie Wayne or Dallas Clark or even Mathis in the fifth round, that's what kind of took you to another gear. Like at some point you've got to hit on the late first-rounders. You know, Pittsburgh, such a perennial team. I mean, they draft T.J. Watt where they did, and look mm-hmm. at Watt now. You know, you 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 just have to be able to do that if you're going to su- sustain some sort of success. Listen to those positions you just routed off. Tart Glenn, left tackle, Freeney and Mathis, and Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, wide receiver. You did not mention a running back. No. That's the interesting part that Chris Ballard has in all this because – Jonathan Taylor right. is coming up for that contract extension, and before you know it, you could be paying him top dollar, and then your franchise quarterback could be up for an extension around the same time. You know my thoughts on running back. You don't touch it till day three of the draft. Yeah, B. John Robinson is an unbelievable talent out of Texas. Unbelievable talent. You don't touch running back till day three of the draft. That would be one of my core philosophies in running a draft. Jonathan Taylor's an unbelievable talent. Sound like Mel Kuyper over there. Great, great, I know. Sorry for being nerdy like that. Uh, great player, Taylor. Great human. Hell, he, Mary Rosie. You just <laughs> It's just not a position, in my opinion, that you draft in the first 90-some picks. Now, if you're a Jonathan Taylor jersey owner as a fan, let's say the Colts draft a, court, a running back in the third round here. Are you panicking? No, I think they, I think they extend him. Okay. I yeah, I do. Irwin is next on the Twitter questions. Been seeing a lot of debate on Twitter about Jonathan Taylor lately. Ironically, we just brought this up and want to get your thoughts. If you were Chris Ballard and had the opportunity, would you trade him this offseason? It'll have to be for a first-round pick or a second and a third or in some good return. My opinion is if you had to choose either of those offers, you take it in a heartbeat given the state of the team and the position itself, et cetera. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with this. Again, I'll offer my opinion, and then I'll reiterate what I just said a few minutes ago. The Colts are going to extend Jonathan Taylor. I'd be stunned if they didn't. I'd be stunned if they traded him, because I think Chris Ballard doesn't view positions in 
a very similar light, particularly that position. And you know what? I will say this, Eddie. It's a really good point to make that Jonathan Taylor is going to help a rookie rookie quarterback big time. Uh-huh. And, and I totally acknowledge that. And I don't want to lose sight of that. And again, I think he's a really good player. Totally agree with you. But... He just plays a position where you saw it this year. A guy that has been an absolute freak from a durability standpoint. An injury flares up. Not a torn ACL. Not a not a torn Achilles. He can't figure it out. And it was a bit of a lost season for him. The one element I think it's worth pointing out about Taylor that he lacks, which I think should impact some contract negotiations, doesn't really help you out on third down compared to the other running backs. Yeah, that you pay that that money to. If you look at the the most expensive running backs in the NFL, the Camaras, the McCaffreys of the world, there is the third down element to their game. It's the dual threat. It's the ability to line up. And I know Taylor does some of that. And I think he's had nice moments as a pass catcher. I don't think he's a an exceptional blocker. I was about to say, um, he had a bad year in terms of blitz pickup and blocking. And again, third down matters. It matters a whole lot. And if I've got to remove him off the field come third down, that should impact the type of money that I am paying him. So I think those are some other things to keep in mind. But to Irwin's point, I, I say this about every player. I, I don't care if I had Aaron Donald. I would listen to a trade offer for everybody. Everybody. Running back, I'd not only listen, I'd entertain the hell out of it. Now, it's going to help the rookie quarterback big time that he has Jonathan Taylor here. But, I mean, hell, and I know Taylor was banged up. You could argue that Zach Moss had better stretches this year than than Taylor. And I, I get the offensive line was settled and, and all of that. It's just it's the easiest position to replace and do it in a hurry. Yes. Do it in on, on, on short notice, all of those things. So that is why I'd be listening. Don't draft running backs till day three. I stamp it, tattoo it, put it across your fort. Where was homeboy uh, drafted? Uh, the guy that runs like his head's cut off for the pa- Chiefs. Pacheco. He was drafted in the sixth round. Preach. I, I don't need Clyde Edwards Alaire. Give me Pacheco, the prior Rutgers. Did you see the video of him at the the Rutgers game the other day? No basketball. Was he trying to suit up for Steve Peichel? Uh he was just. He runs like Rutgers plays basketball. Yeah, yeah. Steve Peichel pounding nails, as John Rothstein would say. But no, he was just there, and like the guy is a total vibe. Oh, like, that's he, a great way to describe. He it. is a total vibe. He's out there. He gets into the student section. And he starts dancing. He does his little. Uh, I guess it's his tribute or what? I don't know how to describe it, but his annual touchdown celebration dance. He did that in the student section. Yeah. Got him all fired up. He's the neighbor's dog that is just attacking you when you go and get the mail. Attacking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, am I crazy for wanting the Colts to trade Shaquille Leonard to keep Bobby O'Karake, Zaire Franklin, and EJ Speed instead? That's from Casey. Eddie, who's taking on that contract? Who's solid, taking, solid question. Who's taking on the Leonard contract without seeing him? You know, Leonard was uber optimistic late in the year. Yep. Maybe the second surgery is going to solve everything, but no one, no one can be sniffing that. He, he just. Not for what you think is worth giving up for him. Um, now, a little sneak peek to our free agent rankings. Oh, I am very much team bring back EJ Speed and don't bring back Bobby O'Carica. Oh, again, it's not a list of the best free agents, Eddie. It's a list of what makes the most sense for you financially, mm-hmm. um, skill set, age wise, all those things. So, Carica is a really good player. He's going to get a nice contract, probably a multiple-year contract somewhere around the NFL. I don't think it 
should be or really can be here in Indianapolis. Again, you just have invested so much a linebacker. You think about speed, I mentioned it earlier. Most special team snaps of any Colt last year. And, and you know, body type-wise, speed has always kind of been a little bit of Leonard, just in the size and the length and the speed and, and, and all of those things. So um, as far as the question itself, no one, I think, has taken on Leonard and giving you a acceptable price without seeing the medicals. You don't see too many sign-in trades anymore in the NFL, do you? Very rarely. Just... The NFL trades in general are pretty quiet. Yeah. I was just trying to think, like, what if, like, I know this name, I know the team's going to get, you know, they're going to be the number one team attached to Bobby O'Karake and because of his relationship with Matt Eberflus, but I didn't know if there was something that with Chicago, maybe, uh, that could happen, sign and trade, but uh, it, I don't think it would happen just because it's not the nature of the NFL like it is in the NBA. That's all I was just trying to yeah, think of there. Yeah, I was a bit of asked, you know, the franchise tag, you know, can you team tags a guy, then trades a guy, Lamar Jackson, that's brought up a lot, of course, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. Uh, if Shane Steichen built his offensive system around what the quarterback skill set is, how much of the offensive system would he have to would have would he have in place for veteran players to start learning if they really don't have their quarterback in house yet? This is from AJ. This is all considering that they will be taking a quarterback in the draft. Please, Lord, take a quarterback. <laughs> My thought is that the players can at least start learning the verbiage. Sure. Yeah, and it's a good question, AJ. And yeah, I mean, you got you have a core offense. You obviously will emphasize certain things based off of your quarterback is, and it's probably worth pointing out. I mean, I guess let me pull up the calendar right now. First week of April. When is that? April third. So that's when you will start your offseason program. Now remember that strength and conditioning in those first two weeks. You have a new head coach. Yeah. So you start earlier. I don't think you get on the field until the start of May. And it you know it progresses you know you're on the field initially and then coaches get out there and it's just individual stuff and then it's team you know usually the team stuff OTAs in a mini camp is like mid May to late May to early June yeah you'll draft the quarterback on April twenty April thirtieth is that right April twenty seventh sorry I was looking at March April twenty seventh you will draft the quarterback so I mean you're gonna know right then Eddie what you're going to do. But again, a lot of this is just what are you emphasizing within that playbook? But certainly you're going to have core principles and I mean, hell, don't you got to sign your your Gardner Minshew type here in the next month? If I'm Matt Ryan, there's no way I retire before mid-March, right? Does he have any contract incentives oh, yeah. or guarantees? Oh, yeah. yeah, 6 I want to say the cap savings is 6 million for the Colts if he retires. Or excuse me. You'd owe him six versus 17 if you cut him. But remember, KB, he's got good ball in him still. Isn't like the chatter he wants to be a broadcaster now? Yeah, I mean, he did a good job at CBS. So, I, yeah, I mean, if I'm Matt Ryan, I'm a nice dude and everything, but I'm getting the most money possible. You know, you're going to have to cut me before the new league year starts. You see those little ones? That's their college tuition I need hey, right man, there. man, he's got twin boys, right? Yeah. Does he have three kids or two? I think just two boys. I think so, too. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. So much to like from Randall's perspective with each of these young men both on and off 
the field. Also, the uncertainty of having the number four pick overall and not the first overall, but we have selected a head coach that can mold many different quarterback styles. Does this make this an easier decision for Chris Ballard, or is there any immense pressure to, quote, get this right? Yeah. I I mean, to that final point, I mean, is there immense pressure to get this right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't get it right, Eddie, like, oh my gosh, I mean, that's, you've you've stalled things from a franchise standpoint deep into the 2020s. Um, So, it's a nice situation to be in and you aren't force-fed this specific type of quarterback like i need that cookie cutter yeah that one right there that's that's nice because you can be open-minded but also there's going to be one that's above the rest and to me that position just means too much not to go get that guy and you know the whole debate about sitting at four eddie in my mind if you sit at four you're not dodging one bullet and that being houston you're dodging three bullets because somebody can trade up and carolina think Anything like Vegas, Atlanta, they come from. Did Seattle just trade up? Atlanta, the Raiders, the Panthers like you never know. I mean, I don't think anyone realistically thought Kansas City would come. I don't think the Saints thought Kansas City would come screaming out for Mahomes in 2017 when they did. So I just feel like dodging three is too risky for me. That rhyme. Gene three is too risky for me. I don't know. I, a little I'm, bit. I'm trying to rhyme. I'm trying to you know get, get Rosie and I on the same page with you know singing. Um, she's a far better singer than I am. I was about maybe. to say you're yeah. trying to get her on the really struggle page with singing. Nursery, nur, nursery rhymes and Kevin Bowen just don't see eye to eye. Four guys are not going to have the same grade either, Eddie. I know I said that earlier. There's not. And again, the position means too much to look at and say, yeah, I'd be okay with him. Is that what you're looking for? Right. You play in the AFC. Seven quarterbacks. All in the playoffs last year, 27 or under. Eddie, we did the exercise on the last pod. I named three more that are also 27 or younger. And if they made the playoffs, you wouldn't laugh that hard at it. Yeah. Sean Watson and Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. That's 10 of the 16 teams in the AFC. Throw Houston in there. That's 11 of the 16. Mm-hmm. That's nearly 75% based off my math. Yeah. That could be in there. And I'll reiterate what I said earlier. In Houston's case, that bullet, that comes with facing that dude for the next decade as well. So that's even kind of added to it. Here's one thing before we get to the final Twitter question from Johnny. If the Colts are staying at four come draft night, there are two different scenarios for me as to why why that would happen. One, they're not sold on any of the other quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young and they don't want to give up the amount of future ammunition to go up and get him. Uh huh. Number two, they get some sort of wind or inkling or belief that Houston may pull off the unthinkable here and not draft a quarterback. Oh boy, and then right. they end up with one of Jalen Carter or Henry Anderson. Or not Henry Anderson, but Will Anderson. Will, yeah, I, I do like Henry. But like it, those are the two scenarios for me that I think are the only There's exceptions. No chance Houston doesn't draft a quarterback, right? Well, I I brought this up. I can't remember where it was. I it could have been on our last pod. Davis Mills in two thousand six, they had the first overall pick and they needed a quarterback. They did not. They went defense. Then the following year they went quarterback with Matt Schaub. 
Well, learn from your mistakes, Houston. And ironically enough, who was look on that where, roster? Look where you're at as a franchise. Who was on that roster? D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. Well, you got to learn. <laughs> you got to learn. I, I, I'd i be stunned. Stun- I'd probably be more stunned if... Yeah, I'd be more stunned if Houston didn't take a quarterback than the Colts. But the... The count the the argument you can make is they're going to be bad again next year, regardless. No, and, and I hear that, but dude, just if you sneak into one or two wins, and some team has their quarterback rip his ACL in late August. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I understand I, it. It's just like playing devil's advocate here. Sure, I I, I appreciate you 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 doing that. But uh, I strongly disagree with it. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just the Colts optimist in me. Well, <laughs> You're like, hey, we can just stay at number four and not give up anything, and we still get I, I know, CJ Stroud. Again, if you get the guy right, man, none of this will matter. Uh, Johnny, like I mentioned, is our last Twitter question. Do you believe Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen gave serious thought to trading for Justin Fields, elite athlete who can create and has a big arm, accurate with the deep ball and forces the defense to stay honest on the back end? Couple that with Jonathan Taylor, running back Michael Pittman, Jr., Alec Pierce, and Jelani Woods, and maybe even Paris Campbell to throw the football to. He would be a totally different player than in Chicago. You know, Johnny, certainly a lot of ways to look at this. I do know the Colts like Justin Fields a good amount. I think if they would have known he fell to, what he fall to, 12, 10 in that draft? Sure. I'm trying to think somewhere around there. 13 maybe? I think they would have had a really hard decision to make in moving up <clears throat> and getting him. I think you can look at the Fields thing in a couple of ways, Eddie. The pros of it, he's been in a big-time NFL market. Yep. He's been exposed to that as well. He doesn't have great skill all around him, and he's shown flashes. So you like those aspects to it. The, the, the questions would be, he's learning a new offense again. He is closer to the second contract. And is, you know, is he ever going to get all the way there? You know, I, I just think there is that question that you would have as well. You would have to entertain it, though. You, you, you would have to entertain it. I'm probably more of a clean slate guy, you know, and I know this is not Carson Wentz scar tissue, but I, I just, I'm probably a little bit more of a, give me the clean slate. Yeah. And I know that that brings more uncertainty. And in Justin Fields' case, he obviously has, you know, multiple years of experience, whereas, you know, the rookie, of course, is not going to have that. So I, I totally understand there are pros and cons to it, but that's the route that I would take. I would agree with you there, and like I've mentioned before, I feel like if you traded for Justin Fields or if you tried to get a Lamar Jackson, it just accelerates your win-now mentality. Correct. Because, Which, like you mentioned, you're going to have, well, on the Lamar Jackson front, you're going to have to pay him. And the whole win-now comment that you just made, Eddie, I think is an interesting debate of, hey, should the Colts trade back? Should the Colts draft Anthony Richardson? Should they be a little bit more patient? Think about your roster. Jonathan Taylor into the second contract and getting older. Quentin Nelson getting closer to 30. DeForest Buckner getting closer to 30. Shaquille Leonard going through what he's gone through physically. Like, I, I don't think there's a large chunk of the fan base that's there, but there's certainly some that believe this is a very quick turnaround waiting to happen. If you delay quarterback at all, that obviously stunts your ability to try and achieve that. Again, I, I know that doesn't fall for everybody, but I do think that is an aspect to this.
Um, I think in a future pod we should get into these quarterbacks and like their background because I think oh without doubt that because, that because, screams um, late March early April for me because I, Anthony Richard Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud both have some interesting backgrounds and upbringings. I, I I would agree, and I would say this: I don't think there's like red flag character concerns really with anybody. No. Of those top and throw in Hendon Hooker uh, uh, as well. I, yeah. I don't think there's anybody that screams that. So I maybe I'm not as like locked into their press conferences this year or, or that aspect of it. But again, that's probably what makes it even harder because you're trying to look for little things that can be separators. In conclusion, here wrapping up the pod. Another pod coming on Thursday after Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen speak Wednesday afternoon. Uh, what's some questions that you've got on your? Your notepad that you looked forward to ask each of those guys. Well, I think you look towards some of your free agents. You know, have you made decisions there on that front? I am curious about you know Bubba Ventrone. Is that a guy that Shane Steichen wanted to bring back? Um, you know, in Chris's case, when will the decision be made on Matt Ryan? You know, I think you're you're, you're curious about those sorts of things. Nick Foles. I know it's not a huge amount of cap savings, but that would be something. On that front as well. The Jonathan Taylor recovery from the ankle surgery? Yeah, you know, ankle, yeah, that's a good point. Ankle surgery because we had not been there just yet. Um, so, yeah, I think those are probably some of the main items that you're curious about. And, you know, just overall draft depth. You know, I do, I am always interested where Ballard feels like there is good draft depth because um, I think you do respect his talent evaluation, certainly. And that would be something that. I am curious about. Kevin and I will both be there on uh, Wednesday when these gentlemen speak, so follow both both of us on Twitter if you don't already, at KBowen1070. Yes, sir. At Eddie Garrison underscore, and if you need the spelling, it's E-D-D-I-E-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. 107.5thefan.com, written content all week long. Our morning show, Kevin and Corey, will be live from there, 7 to 10 a.m., uh, we just got this last update. Shane Steichen is going to be available at 2.30 um, coming up on Wednesday. So he was originally at 3.45. Shane Steichen will be available at 2.30. Uh, Chris Ballard will then be at 3.30. That's coming up on Wednesday over there. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.